From Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Toad Hop Network. This is Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. My name is Sean Astin. I'll be your host. Uh, my co-host, guest host, brother, love, is Mackenzie Astin. Welcome, Mackenzie. Bueno. We would very much like for you to call in. We are going to light it up today. We're getting excited. We're getting fired up. we got some breaking news. It is a historic day. No joke. A historic day in the history of our union. Um, so we're going to want you to call in to talk about the Supreme Court's decision on health care, uh, upholding almost all of the Obama uh, health care uh, bill, the Affordable Care Act, um, after it made its way through the federal court system. Uh, and, and, to, and to let us know if you think uh, it sucks or you think it's righteous or you're confused by it. We have – because look what we have here. I just – as a host – went out of my way. The host with the most. The host with the most. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. The entire Supreme Court assent. The 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 ruling come down from on high by Justice Roberts, appointed by President Bush, voting shockingly in favor of the uh, Constitution of the United States of America, also seen by many as the uh, the Obamacare Act. Um, now, this is not the dissenting opinion, mm. because who cares what they have to say? Mm. They lost. Mm. Um, Scalia. Mm. And, uh, well, you don't like that? How, well, how civil is that discourse? Well, oh, I'm just, oh, wait, but we're down to an hour now. Very good. Two hours of civil discourse, one hour of pure partisan <laughs> bile is just going to be spewed over the airways right now. No, um, the fact is that I... Um, get really excited when when democracy works and the supreme court is if you could get, throw up that picture of the supreme court the photograph of them what a squirrely bunch of people if in every other quarter of american life if you're oj simpson or you're somebody in a high degree of power we get to see how you move around white bronco you know, Air Force jet. <laughs> we get to see when you come in and out of the building. We know what's happening. You want to be in Congress? You got to do that perp walk in front of the in front of everybody. You you you. But where are these Supreme Court people? They they don't have to tell you when they're going to do things. They just do them. They give you a general sense they might show up on that day. But then how do they get there? I don't know. There must be like an underground elevator. And then what happens afterwards? Do they give interviews? No. They're mysterious. Are they real? This is the question today on Fox. Are the members of the Supreme Court actually real, live, uh, flesh and blood human beings? Because uh, And can you name them? 
Can you name them? How many can you name? How many can I name? How many of the the uh, the baseball? You're a big baseball player. I'll say I name seven of the nine at shortstop. <laughs> Scalia. Scalia. All right, pitching. Kennedy. Kennedy's pitching. Sure. All right, and then uh, right field. Rod, uh, Roberts. No. Listen, I you, you Roberts want... has got to be third base. You got to put Ruth Bader Ginsburg in right field. Well, all right, there's Ginsburg, <laughs> uh, Roberts, Kennedy, Scalia. Yeah, I'm gonna want I'm gonna want a second base. No, no, catching. Sotomayor is catching. Absolutely, got to catch. He's got that that uh, command of the of the field. See, is what I'm going for there. Who have we missed? Kennedy, Helen, isn't there? Well, we had oh oh yeah. There's another. There's there's so many women now. But I'll tell you what. There are more than there are women. What do we got? Uh, Thomas, uh, Scalia, Roberts, Kennedy, uh, Ginsburg's. Uh, oh, what's her name? Ginsburg. Kagan. Kagan. Kagan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the tall guy? That's Al- Al- Alito. Justice Alito. Alito. He's the one who shook his head and said no during the uh, the State of the Union when, when Obama called out the the court for, for ruling on. Uh, that subject. wasn't the shortstop? Alito? I think it was the shortstop. He's first base. Stuff. He's tall. He's got to be first base. All right. This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> no, this is ridiculous. No, you got to go with that. You got to go with that. Listen, we, we try and humanize them. I think you should have Supreme Court trading cards. Like, oh, my gosh, I got a, a rookie uh, <laughs> uh, who, 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 who is, uh, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think, like, Plessy versus Ferguson or Brown versus Board of Education or, like, who are the uh, – who are the, 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 the justices then? Like, uh, uh, and you could sort of, they could be your Hall of Fame. But anyhow, um, today they ruled in an unbelievable, uh, unbelievably important uh, piece of legislation, and that was the Affordable Care Act. And the Affordable Care, and, and what was under um, review by the court, the court re- uh, agreed to hear uh, two cases. Right. One case was by um, the uh, the National Federal of Independent uh, the National Federation of Independent Business businesses. They sued uh, Catherine Sebelius. Who do, when they sue the government? Who do you know who specifically? I know the answer. To this. this is like a, a pop quiz. Do you Correct. know who they're suing? The government. Well, who? The guy on first base. <laughs> no, no, no that guy's a judge. That guy's a judge. You know who? The guy they got the man playing first. No. Oh right. <laughs> Sorry. Um they actually sue the department of the federal government that is in charge of implementing and administering the program. Huh. Right? Didn't know that. There's three in this case. Three departments? Three departments that are that are named defendants who? of the government. I don't know. Third, <laughs> Third base. base. <laughs> Come on. Uh, take, a, a, take a guess. The Department of Health and Human Services. That is the one very uh, important. Yes, there are two others. Um, the Department of Justice. No. 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 Not Department of Justice. The Department of what does this mean to me and my paycheck? <laughs> oh, commerce? No. Oh, uh, Treasury. Treasury? Department of Treasury. The Department of Treasury. It might have something to do with the Department page, of yeah? IRS collection money. How yeah. does today's ruling affect me personally? Ah, there's. I just want to finish this point. I think it's really interesting. Well, you keep looking at me like I know the answers. I'm, but I'm, I don't. I'm quizzing you as a co host. I didn't know that was going to be a test. Uh, that's why it's a pop quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. All right. So the third uh, division of the government that is, or, or Department of the Government, is the Department of Labor. Ah. 
I don't understand that. You don't understand why? I don't understand why the Department of Labor is named in this suit. But anyhow, so there's there's two lawsuits. One was the National Federation of Independent Businesses versus Sibelius, Kathleen Sibelius, who I think is now running for governor or senate. She's running for senate or something in Maine, Massachusetts, something let's, or other. Let's S- look that up. Sibelius, S-E-B-E-L-I-U-S. So um, got a political show. I should know what's going on politically. But... She was the, I believe then, the head of the uh, Department of Health and Human Services. So when the law was enacted in 2000, anyone, anyone, nine. Okay, so what was the major issue under review by the Supreme Court? Uh, it was, to paraphrase, it was two, it was, I think it was four things, but there's two basic ones. One was this thing called the individual mandate. The individual mandate. Yes. Is they tried to figure out how how are you going to, you know, give as many people as possible affordable quality health care? How are you going to do it? You're going to do a single payer system where everybody who pays tax gets uh, access to the system. That's a government run thing. Many, you know, leveled the charge that it was socialism. Uh, are you going to let the free market take it? Um, I have a quote here from the uh, from from Romney uh, uh, kind of characterizing Romney's. Uh, uh, feeling about that that return to a free market approach um, but anyhow what they decided to do was say they are going to assign they're going to assess a penalty to anyone who can afford health care insurance and doesn't buy it why would someone not buy health care insurance if they can afford it because they might want to spend that little bit of money that they have on something else All like right like their car their and it's a it's a free country right not anymore <laughs> according to the supreme court of the united states you are now shackled uh and you must buy uh if you if you are at a certain level in the federal poverty line you must pay um and it, it kicks in in 2014 a minimum uh amount towards your uh towards your health insurance if you don't you'll get dinged and this is really important how they're going to how they're going to collect it. How are they going to ding us? On your IRS form. On You're going to have to demonstrate that you have that insurance. Wait a minute. So it's death taxes and health care? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> right. These are the three things. Now. Yeah. So yeah. wait, wait, wait. Death taxes. You're yeah. talking about uh, uh, if you're. Uh, there were commas in there. Death, comma, taxes. Uh, the only two things in life that are guaranteed are death and taxes. I was told. And now healthcare. It, it, death, now. comma, health, taxes, comma. Well, no, no. Healthcare is underneath the taxes umbrella, which is exactly why what the Supreme Court today held. The Supreme Court today said, in terms of the provision of the um, uh, what is it? The the the. Mm-hmm. Commerce Clause. Right. The Commerce Clause reads, in part, the Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among several states and with Indian tribes. It was written a long time ago. Uh, so, And that's Article 1, Section 8. And under Article 1, Section 8, they actually agreed... They, they, I've, I'm not mistaken, they did not... And I don't want to get this wrong, but I think they did not... That was the one thing they didn't uphold... In the in the uh, that they struck down, like you. Ca- oh no 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 no. Sorry, that was something else. <laughs> no, that was they want to extend Medicare benefits to virtually everyone, and the uh, Supreme Court held that that was an over essentially an overreach by the federal government, and so they couldn't do that. Um, 
so what they what they did do is they said um, and it was, a, it was a really interesting argument that was being made in front of the Supreme Court, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't hear it, but saying that um, the interstate commerce clause allows the federal government to essentially police, to regulate, uh, you know, what transactions are happening that affect people across state lines. And the argument that was being made here was people who aren't buying health insurance aren't participating in interstate commerce. They're participating in no, participating in no commerce in that way. Mm-hmm. So they should not be compelled to purchase insurance and therefore you know, forcibly make them a part of the interstate uh, commercial environment. What the Supreme Court said was uh, essentially like that, the, the uh, and this this is what was so interesting about the way that the the court case it came out today, you know you had all these guys Jeffrey Tubin's hilarious I love Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, mm-hmm. you know, and he was describing how they were all sitting in there and they listened to Justice Roberts, the Bush appointed, um, you know clearly uh, yeah there's there's other ones of the Supreme Court yeah yeah, in fact uh, yeah let me know when you throw up other ones too you, you can throw up the one of the sketch. Yeah. Right. Or, but you can also – there's one that says um, the Supreme split on health. Throw that one up. Supreme split on health. So Justice Roberts, the good-looking one, the Robert Redford of the gang, the shortstop is what I figured you'd have him at, um, is, uh, came out and started describing how the interstate commerce – you know that they, that they couldn't use interstate commerce to implement this law. And everyone thought that meant, uh-oh, it's getting struck down. And then he did like a left turn. Freaking out everyone in the courtroom who well, had a political agenda. He listed a whole number of uh, Republicans, for example, who seemed really happy at first and were really devastated to see the turn. He said, um, he said that the he pointed to the provision in the United States Constitution, which says that the you know Congress shall have the authority to raise you know to levy taxes. Mm-hmm. So what they're saying is the way that this law. This rule is going to be policed is by fining people on their IRS forms. So it's essentially going to be a tax. Death, taxes, and health care. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so, so that's the thing. So, the, so you know, uh, so now you can, you can, and and the argument is from the government side. I think uh, there they are. The argument from the government side is, you know. Whether people are paying for it or not, they're actually in the system. If they don't have health care and they show up uh, at an emergency room and they have to get treated, then they're you know creating a burden on the system, mm-hmm. and, they, and that will happen. Almost every American will, at some point or other, interface with the healthcare system. So, uh, you know, so why not have everybody participate a little bit? Um, you know, they, the, the Republican argument. Oh God, there's so many. Uh, there's so many different components to this. Let me just play. I think the responsible thing in an American society is, of all the sound clips I have, the first one that should be played is of the President of the United States. So let me play the President's uh, response. Interestingly, he was not the first to speak. The Senate Majority Leader spoke on the floor. The Senate uh, Minority Leader spoke on the floor, in reverse order. Then Governor Romney. The Republican opponent for president spoke 
from this rooftop overlooking the uh, the Capitol. And then sometime later, the president came and spoke from the the uh, East Wing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you just know it's a big day in when everybody is on the same page. I mean, it's the first real breaking news day that we've had in a long time. Um, and it's because it affects so many people. So let me go ahead and pl- do you have a thought before I play this? Nope. Okay. I'm going to play President – three minutes. Yeah, okay. Here we go. President Obama's speech on the Supreme Court upholding almost all of the Affordable Care Act, which is the centerpiece of his first term of presidency. Candy, what would have been the case... Okay, this is Wolf Blitzer introducing... Here comes the president. He's walking to the microphone in the East Room of the White House. Good afternoon. Earlier today, the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. The name of the health care reform we passed two years ago. In doing so, they've reaffirmed a fundamental principle that here in America, in the wealthiest nation on earth, no illness or accident should lead to any family's financial ruin. I know there will be a lot of discussion today about the politics of all this, about who won and who lost. That's how these things tend to be viewed here in Washington. But that discussion completely misses the point. Whatever the politics, today's decision was a victory for people all over this country whose lives will be more secure because of this law and the Supreme Court's decision to uphold it. And because this law has a direct impact on so many Americans, I want to take this opportunity to talk about exactly what it means for you. First, if you're one of the more than 250 million Americans who already have health insurance, you will keep your health insurance. This law will only make it more secure and more affordable. Insurance companies can no longer impose lifetime limits on the amount of care you receive. They can no longer discriminate against children with pre-existing conditions. They can no longer drop your coverage if you get sick. They can no longer jack up your premiums without reason. They are required to provide free preventive care like checkups and mammograms, a provision that's already helped 54 million Americans with private insurance. And by this August, nearly 13 million of you will receive a rebate from your insurance company because it spent too much on things like administrative costs and CEO bonuses and not enough on your health care. There's more. Because of the Affordable Care Act, young adults under the age of 26 are able to stay on their parents' health care plans, a provision that's already helped 6 million young Americans. And because of the Affordable Care Act, seniors receive a discount on their prescription drugs, a discount that's already saved more than 5 million seniors on Medicare, about $600 each. All of this is happening because of the Affordable Care Act. These provisions provide common sense protections for middle class families, and they enjoy broad popular support. And thanks to today's decision, all of these benefits and protections will continue for Americans who already have health insurance. Now, if you're one of the 30 million Americans who don't yet have health insurance, starting in 2014, this law will offer you an array of quality, affordable private health insurance plans to choose from. Each state will take the lead in designing their own menu of options. And if states can come up with even better ways of covering more people at the same quality and cost, this law allows them to do that too. And I've asked Congress to help speed up that process and give states this flexibility in year one. 
Once states set up these health insurance marketplaces, known as exchanges, insurance companies will no longer be able to discriminate against any American with a pre-existing health condition. They won't be able to charge you more just because you're a woman. They won't be able to bill you in, into bankruptcy. If you're sick, you'll finally have the same chance to get quality, affordable health care as everyone else. And if you can't afford the premiums, you'll receive a credit that helps pay for it. Today, the Supreme Court also upheld the principle that people who can afford health insurance should take the responsibility to buy health insurance. This is important for two reasons. First, when uninsured people who can afford coverage get sick and show up at the emergency room for care, the rest of us end up paying for their care in the form of higher premiums. And second, if you ask insurance companies to cover people with pre-existing conditions but don't require people who can afford it to buy their own insurance, some folks might wait until they're sick to buy the care they need, which would also drive up everybody else's premiums. That's why even though I knew it wouldn't be politically popular and resisted the idea when I ran for this office, we ultimately included a provision in the Affordable Care Act that people who can afford to buy health insurance should take the responsibility to do so. In fact, this idea has enjoyed support from members of both parties, including the current Republican nominee for president. Still, I know the debate over this law has been divisive. I respect the very real concerns that millions of Americans have shared. And I know a lot of coverage through this health care debate is focused on what it means politically. Well, it should be pretty clear by now that I didn't do this because it was good politics. I did it because I believed it was good for the country. I did it because I believed it was good for the American people. You know, there's a framed letter that hangs in my office right now. It was sent to me during the health care debate by a woman named Natoma Canfield. For years and years, Natoma did everything right. She bought health insurance. She paid her premiums on time. But 18 years ago, Natoma was diagnosed with cancer. And even though she'd been cancer-free for more than a decade, her insurance company kept jacking up her rates year after year. And despite her desire to keep her coverage, despite her fears that she would get sick again, she had to surrender her health insurance and was forced to hang her fortunes on chance. I carried Natoma's story with me every day of the fight to pass this law. It reminded me of all the Americans all across the country who have had to worry not only about getting sick, but about the cost of getting well. Natoma is well today. And because of this law, there are other Americans, other sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, who will not have to hang their fortunes on chance. These are the Americans for whom we passed this law. The highest court in the land has now spoken. We will continue to implement this law. And we'll work together to improve on it where we can. Get but back, what we want to do, the Supreme Court. what the country can't afford to do, is refight Actually, the political battles do... of two years ago. Or go back to the way things were. With today's announcement, it's time for us to move forward. To implement, and where necessary, improve on this law. Now's the time to keep our focus on the most urgent challenge of our time, putting people back to work, paying down our debt, and building an economy where people can have confidence that if they work hard, they can get ahead. But today, I'm as confident as ever that when we look back five years from now, or 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, we'll be better off 
because we have the courage to pass this law and keep moving forward. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toad Heads? It's Frank Kramer, Heidi Hamilton. Hey, everybody. From the Heidi and Frank Show. Reminding you that if you have satellite radio, you can check us out every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Extreme Talk Channel 165. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern? Uh, on the East Coast, yeah, on Extreme Talk XM 165. And if you don't have satellite radio, well, you're on the Toad Hop Network, so why not check out the Heidi and Frank Show, the backbone of the whole thing? 10 a.m. to noon every single week. The premium package. But you can listen for free every day, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Check us out, Heidi and Frank. Com. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. Yo, welcome back, everybody. So as we went out, we went out on uh, President Barack Obama's speech in the East Wing of the White House today. Um... Really, I would say it was uh, he was containing his enthusiasm with uh, in with you know kind of respect to the office. But I bet you know in the rest of the White House they are just giddy because this is the centerpiece of of his administration and and it was mostly upheld. Did you know? Let me read to you from uh, Courts and Law. Courts and Law had uh, let's see when it was uh, on the twenty eighth. No, that's not right. Anyhow, Courts and Law had an, an article called um, Obama Health Care Law Before the Supreme Court, and it, it lists a bunch of cases that happened leading up to this. One was, uh, or, you know, in the constellation of cases surrounding this. Legal cases? And so on and so forth. Uh, Susan Seven Sky versus Eric Holder, who's the current attorney general, that was a legal group founded by evangelist Pat Robertson. And he filed it on behalf of four individuals contesting the individual mandate and the constitutional and uh, and on constitutional and religious grounds. Virginia versus Kathleen Sebelius, uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, challenged the constitutionality of uh, individual mandate. The individual mandate was really something that bugged uh, bugged the Republicans and conservatives. Uh, then you have Liberty University versus Timothy Geithner. Timothy Geithner is the uh, what secretary? No, not secretary Treasury. of Treasury. Yes, yeah, he's secretary of Treasury. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And before that, he was uh, sort of the yeah. Big banking thing. Sure. Um, so Paul, that's how that works, isn't it? I don't know, something like that. Yeah, it's kind of a revolving door. Didn't they say they were going to stop that? They anyhow. said a lot of things. I know. But you want qualified people in there, too. But anyhow, Liberty University, a Christian college founded by the late Reverend Jerry Faldwell, and eight individuals challenged the individual and employer mandates. Uh, interesting, right? Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell in two different areas. Found, and, and then you've got Thomas Moore versus Obama. Both the district appeal, district and appeals court ruled against Thomas Moore Law Center, a Christian-oriented law firm in Michigan, and four individuals who challenged the individual mandate. And then we've got Florida versus the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, which is a 26-state uh, uh, and uh, many, you know, the, the Republican attorneys general in those states going after the uh, constitutionality of it. It's just interesting to me that um, that there's a, a Christian fund, strong Christian-funded uh, movement against it. I would have thought it was all all business groups and, and that. But um, go ahead. Why, do you, uh, why, why was the Republican Party so against the, uh, the individual mandate? I would think because 
if you listen to Romney on his stump speeches, and I actually have uh, his response today to play and others, if you um, – it, it's – it's not just individuals. I mean, they, they go for a liberty argument that you shouldn't force people. This should be a free country, and the mar- marketplace will take care of it. Um, I actually have a little thing here about that. Um, Romney uh, In Romney's speech on Tuesday, he talked about returning uh, the, pro- the health care system to private sector tactics to transform uh, health care into a, quote-unquote, consumer market, much like the tire, automobile, and air filter markets. Um, he hint- it hints that the future of health care innovation – might shift to low-cost, high-quality medical devices that help us maintain good health and diagnose uh, diseases and disorders. I don't understand how that's a uh, private... I mean, everybody wants that on all sides, so I don't don't understand how he can make that um, assertion that that's sort of different than what's happening now. But the... um, in and of itself, it seems like its own phenomenon. But the individual mandate, it basically... You know, there's also an employer mandate. And the employer mandate says that, you know, if you have a company and you have employees, you have to provide health insurance for them. And Republicans don't like that because they think it operates in restraint of, uh, you know, business. Hmm. Um, So that, you know, it actually, in their argument, suppresses um, or sort of increases unemployment because employers are less likely to hire people that they can't afford to hire because of their health care needs. Because, yeah, because it would cost them more money and be bad for business. That's that's what that's what they, the Republican conservative argument holds. Sure. Um, the so the the <laughs> um, why don't I play? It, you know, my, I think that today was a major victory for Democrats, for Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi, and for um, you know for the president certainly. But I actually think that the Republicans are more on point with their talking points. Mm. I think they figure. I think they're loaded for bear. I think they're ready for a real fight. Mm. Um, let me play uh, first the uh, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, Republican uh, leader McConnell's response to this Supreme Court decision that he completely disagrees with. Let's hear what Mitch has to say. All right, here we go. Um, now the Supreme Court has ruled. You're watching the Supreme Court, the scene at the Supreme Court, but the court has now spoken. What happens next shifts to the Congress. There's the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell. And that has turned out to be just as disastrous as many of us predicted. Amid economic recession, a spiraling federal debt, and accelerated increases in government health spending, they proposed a bill that made all of those problems worse. Americans were promised lower health care costs. They're going up. Americans were promised lower premiums. They're going up. Most Americans were promised their taxes wouldn't change, and they're going up. Seniors were promised Medicare would be protected. It was rated to pay for a new entitlement instead. Americans were promised it would create jobs. The CBO predicts it will lead to nearly a million fewer jobs. Americans were promised they could keep their health plans if they liked it, yet millions have learned they can't. And the President of the United States himself promised up and down that this bill was not a tax. 
This is one of the Democrats' top selling points because they knew it would never have passed if they said it was a tax. Well, the Supreme Court has spoken. This law is a tax. The bill was sold to the American people on a deception. But it's not just that the promises about this law weren't kept. It's that it made the problems it was meant to solve even worse. The supposed cure has proven to be worse than the disease. So the pundits will talk a lot today about what they think today's ruling means hey. and what it doesn't mean. But I can assure you this. Republicans won't let up whatsoever in our determination to repeal this terrible law and replace it with the kind of reforms that will truly address the problems it was meant to solve. Now look, we passed plenty of terrible laws around here that the court finds constitutional. Constitutionality was never an argument to keep this law in place. And it's certainly not one you'll hear from Republicans in Congress. There's only one way to truly fix Obamacare. Only one way. And that's a full repeal. A full repeal. Well, listening to Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell said... All right, so there you go. Did, were you, did you pick up on some of that? I mean, there's some pretty intense stuff in there. Yeah, he sounds pretty serious. I, he, I, I don't know about the facts. This is going up, that's going up, the other thing's going up. Is it really all going up? I mean, I hear people make those arguments, but then you sort of say, well, where do those numbers come from? Where does it come from? Are, are health care costs going up? Because you've got half the people saying they're going down by, you know, a trillion dollars over 10 years. And then you've got other people saying, oh, they're going up minute by minute. So I, I don't know how the American public is supposed to filter through that, you know, morass. Perhaps there's some information they can get from the Congressional Budget Office. Right, exactly. Well, we're going to hear um, Governor Romney invokes the, uh, the the Congressional Budget, budget Office in a, in a minute. Um, I just want to commend to the audience's attention this um, this one article that uh, was found uh, that's it's by the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation by Kaiser, Kaiser Family Foundation KFF um, KFF.org forward slash health reform um, and it's just what it looks like. It's a guide to the Supreme Court's review of the 2010 health care reform law. Yeah. And in, 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 I have a whole sea of paper here with lots of highlighting and things. This is the most kind of calm, relaxed, nonpartisan, direct. Like it just I, I, I felt like I just felt so relaxed when I was reading it. Um, <laughs> who are the parties in the cases accepted by the Supreme Court, and what do they want? The Supreme Court has accepted issues from two cases filed in Florida, which have been consolidated. One case was filed by the National Federation of Independent Businesses and two individual plaintiffs who do not currently have health insurance. I learned more in that sentence than I did watching five hours of CNN. <laughs> so anyhow, um, the, uh, there's a couple other little um, things to jump in here. The uh, this tech innovators, a national magazine uh, has a thing called Ideas and Innovations, and they're um, on the 14th. They put out a thing called the Supreme Court's Healthcare Innovation Moment, and uh, I don't honestly know the argument that they're making, but I know they they talk about how um, 
it's not just healthcare insurers and hospitals and pharmaceutical companies that are affected by this. It's also the tech companies. And then it goes in to saying that if uh, the law, uh, that if the court does not strike down the law, which they did not, uh, clear winners, clear winners will be the tech innovators. Um, it says that uh, the healthcare IT. Uh, um, the healthcare IT scenario in which uh, venture capital uh, VCs uh, will shift their attention to companies that help health care providers slash costs, digitize medical records, and streamline the payment process to insurers. So I, when I hear that kind of talk, I, I just get so excited. Because when you walk into a hospital now or you walk into a doctor's office, don't you just want it to be as slick as you know where your kids get their music from? And there's, there's this other thing called the, uh, the M-Health movement. M Health, the third way, uh, blah, 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 requires, um, it's something that does not occur in the hospital environment, but it's something that occurs in the palm of your hand via web-enabled devices. The M Health movement, from a global perspective, is one of the most exciting trends in the health spa healthcare space for its availability, uh, for its ability to bring healthcare coverage to people who previously do not have it. As a diagnostic tool uh, and other, it says not... Hard to imagine the capabilities of IBM's Watson uh, available as a diagnostic medical app. Um, it just goes on and on, and, and I just feel like a lot of times when the public gets all up in arms about, you know, you're taking away my freedoms, put up that cartoon. Will you put up the cartoon about what the government can do and can't do? You know what I'm talking about? With the, with the guy up on the, on the, uh, the ladder and they're etching the thing in there? Give Gint the name of that thing. Um, anyhow, when people are in the middle of these arguments and they're talking about, you know, get out of my, I, I saw these interviews with people in a diner having breakfast and, and an old folks home and, and people get so emotionally worked up about this stuff. And I honestly believe that in, in many cases, people don't really know what they're arguing about. They can get a general philosophical opinion, which is valid, but when it gets down to the nitty-gritty details, I think a lot of times I certainly am an interested, caring person who's smart and got a good education with honors from UCLA, and uh, you know, but I don't know. So I just sort of – I don't know how other working people are meant to know these things. And what I would rather people focus their attention on now that the Supreme Court – that all of the lower courts and the Supreme Court have upheld this main way of, of doing healthcare business – you know, the fundamental conceptual way of doing business that, you know, people should be uh, – they, they did the, – by the way, they did withhold a certain thing. They did say that uh, Medicare couldn't be expanded as much as uh, the, the bill, uh, the act called for. So, um, okay, where is – I'm going to pull up that thing. People say, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, and, and, the, and the government, they overreached. Um, what's, do you know the title of that one? Uh, what government can do? Okay, I got it now. All right. <laughs> so we, what government can do? Kill you with drone missiles. Imprison you indefinitely. Put, that's just true. That's not a, that's not a partisan thing. Uh, put you in a uniform and send you off to war to get killed. Uh, I suppose that's uh, the draft is still in the books. Uh, take your house and property, imminent domain law, insane. Eminent. Imminent, eminent, whatever. Thank you. <laughs> no, you just make it sound like it's about to happen. <laughs> it's, well, it might be. Oh for, for those facing eminent domain, it may be imminent. Thank you. Anyhow, uh, or execute you. The government can execute you. And then they've got this group of people saying, you know, make people buy health insurance. Now, you're going way too far. That is a serious overreach. Um, so I think it is, um, for my money, a good uh, a good thing that we, that the, you know, uh, they're, this is an epoch. This is a high watermark at this moment in our development as a civilization. 
and we've got miles and miles to go for it to get better. But what I wish people would really spend their time and energy focusing on going forward as it relates to healthcare is what companies are doing the most interesting work? What, what technologies do we really want? Well, you, you've got to have a scope on your knee. Who's doing that? You know, and, and figure out what medical schools. I, if we were to dig into that environment and be interested in that environment more than just the, uh, the scorekeeping, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think we'd be better off as a, as a, as a country, as a people. Um, not to say we shouldn't continue to actively you know, politic for what we want. Here's a couple of other thoughts and facts. Jump in any time. A couple of other thoughts and facts that occurred from a, uh, a ProPublica piece that you found, Mac. Uh, could the Supreme Court's health care ruling kill patient safety reforms? Um, 50 million uninsured Americans. I heard lots of numbers today. 56, 59 million. 50, you know, those people who are afraid that they're going to be forced to buy health insurance or have to get like a $289 fine or a $500 fine or something like that mm-hmm. should be dancing in the streets because if they get sick they're going to have health care that's you know it's we think about the kind of point of purchase as the only you know place to evaluate this but people get sick i I get sick you get sick we're all going to get sick and you want to be able to go to the doctor and get the medicine you need and get accurate treatment and you want to make sure you're taking uh here's what sharona uh hoffman from a professor of uh, law and bioethics uh, from Case Western Reserve University says, leaving uninsured Americans behind makes hospitals less safe. Emergency rooms are really stretched because they provide the only source of care for millions of uninsured, which affects the quality of care for everyone. Hospitals are a place that should be a last resort. There are risks going to a hospital uh, because infections have become so common, for example. So you want to reduce one reason you want to reduce traffic in operating rooms is to reduce the number of infections. Um, provisions that prevent patient harm. Oh, and this is an interesting one. This is from Helen Darling, CEO of National Business Group on Health. National Business Group, CEO of National Business Group, says that if the courts throw out the whole act, which they didn't, it would be stunning in its impact. It didn't, but they say she says. You have mil- uh, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on getting wrong treatment and sometimes harmful treatment. There's a long list of waste and harm in the U.S. healthcare system today, and employers just think that's outrageous because they spend so much money. So it's interesting that this – it's it's counterintuitive. The person's making a, a business argument for having it did – that, did that, am I reading that right? Provisions that prevent patient harm and unnecessary care will help out – Employers. So those provisions stand, ergo, according to Helen Darling, if I'm reading this correctly, businesses are, you know, benefited. The Act, here's another one. Uh, the Act, the uh, uh, Affordable Care Act, is a chance to learn how to keep patients safer. Now, this one is a little, I'm not as sure about. David Howard, the health policy professor at Emory University. The bill makes a number of potential changes and improvements to Medicare, potential changes and improvements to Medicare. So we lose if you cut it down, which we didn't, but if you would have cut it down, you would have lost potential to learn from those pilot projects uh, ways to improve the healthcare system. What do you think of that? Well, uh, I don't know what to think of that. Well, I think that the knock against it would be when you spend too much money on pilot projects, you're taking money away from stuff that you know works. So, and which is the a conservative kind of you know feeling, I would think. Um, 
and yet at the same time you have to have innovation you have to try different things so you know i think conservatives will say you know don't leave it to obamacare to tell you how to innovate let the marketplace uh, show you how to innovate. I think that's what they'd say. Uh, reform uh, <clears throat> reform will give millions access to uh, the same flawed, unsafe system. Rosemary Gibson, author of Patient Advocate, writes that people will have access to the same system, the good and the not so good. They'll receive needed care that will save their life. They will also be exposed to harm, errors, infections, and overtreatment. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Those two people just said the exact same thing, arguing the opposing opposing viewpoints um you know there's there's this there's this quote that's an it's an old one that i i keep hearkening back into it's the the, the measure of, of a civilization is uh is how it treats its weakest members or how we care for our sick or how we care for our old and with that in mind it feels like it if it, it, it feels like this might be you know the idea that everybody's going to get looked after might be kind of a positive thing. Republican doctor is a picture you should throw up, but only for a second. Um, well, th this is uh, – well, okay. Here's I mean, a quote that, that speaks right to that. That's the idea behind it, right? I mean because the, the, the medical industry is an incredibly lucrative industry. And and it, it would it would seem to me in effect that um, they're not going to make as much money as they've made previously with the Affordable Care Act going into play, you know, because people will be able to spend less and get more care. And so um, I can understand how the big business people in the medical industry are frustrated by this because it seems as though they won't have the profits that they they used to have. But if we take if we take m money out of the scenario. This Affordable Care Act means that more people are going to be taken care of. Then this is an incredibly positive thing, as far as I'm concerned. Unfortunately, there won't, there won't you know, people won't be able to make as much money out of it. But I mean, here's here's how Robert the Field health of the country improve. Here's what professor uh, of law and healthcare policy at Drexel University, Robert Field, says: the private sector will handle it, though slowly though slowly. There are private forces, he says, beyond the health care reform law that are promoting health care quality. The horse is out of the barn on patient safety and things are going to change anyway, but they may change slower without the Affordable Care Act. So to me, that you know, when I talk to most of my Republican friends, the argument is, you know, you're going to get the best health care when they're going to make the most money providing it. So, you know, and, and downstream everyone, it's a trickle-down thing. And downstream, any, everyone will benefit from that. Um, I, I always wonder, and, and it's the same thing with capitalism arguments versus, uh, uh, you know, arguments that, I don't want to say socialism, but arguments that... Oh, my God, did you say socialism? Socialism. Socialism, no, but I mean just when you have people who want social programs to get, uh, you know, uh, really well-funded and expanded and everything else, and they want the least among us to be to be well-looked after, you have uh, conservatives saying, you know, we don't want to have a nanny state, and they, they say that, you know, it's a we, we live in a society, America is about, you know... Do it. Get out there and do it. Be an entrepreneur. Get your education. Work hard. Play by the rules. That eventually, through that grit and determination, you'll you'll have all the things you want. And when I usually say like, yeah, but what about the guys who can't do that? What about the guys who are or not? You know, there's a a, a thought about well, there's a, a place for charity. There's a place for charitable giving, and that a balance has to be struck. And the balance usually is, you know, in favor of business, by by conservatives and republicans and and with the concept that eventually 
more people will be better off than if you try and help a, too many people too fast now and end up not helping, you know, and everybody gets a little bit less than. And my feeling is like, what are what gets done today? Like right now, there's 44 million adults that are illiterate in this country. Spell that out for me. C o u n t r y. So, uh, oh my gosh, we're at the end of the show. That's what happens when you only do an hour, people. Thank you very much for coming to Fox Populi. Is that it? We got an, a minute to go. But look at all this paperwork. I've got reams of things to show everyone. And cartoons. You've got to pull that, that Republican plan thing off there. You've got to put up something better before we leave on that one. That's a, that's a terrible one to go out on. Uh, go, back to the, uh, go back to the Supreme Court one, the photograph of the Supremes. Uh, I love calling the Supremes. But um, the, the portrait of them. Ladies and gentlemen, n- massive day in American life. Um, the next three months are going to be filled with rehashing this argument, rebuilding the argument, doubling down on the argument. Um, and I, you know, we'll keep you posted here at Vox Populi on things that we see happening and changing. And, and uh, you know, we, along with the rest of every conscientious citizen of the country, want as many of us to be well cared for. As possible. To brush your teeth. Yeah. And floss. Floss. Flossing is important. Um, Mac, thank you very much, as always. Pleasure's mine, man. Contributions. Cheers. Gint on the board, moving back and forth, switching the pictures. Thank you very much. Thanks to Christine, who was kind enough to help pull some images and data and and, uh, work on behalf of the show. And uh, that's it. My name is Sean Astin. This has been Vox Populi, voice of the more than usually interested people today, I would say. And uh, we're on the Toad Hop Network. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel for one exciting, fun-filled hour. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. My story straight. My friends are in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire State. My lover, she is waiting for me just across the bar. My seat's been taken by some sunglasses asking about a scar. And-